Welcome to the 5 o'clock show. It's time for Common Sense. Now, it's Cats and Cosby with John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Standing for truth, justice, and the American way. Bringing common sense to the world. Now, here's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Well, today is Thursday. We are back. And, oh my God, so much breaking news. Rita, what's going on? Breaking news. WABC. Well, a damning report was just released. This is the special counsel who's been investigating President Biden on the classified documents. It's a 345-page report. And, John, what just came out, it says he willfully retained classified documents, but they said they will not press charges because, get this, he would, quote, they're referring to President Biden, would likely present himself to a jury, as he did during our interview, as a sympathetic, well-meaning, Elderly man with a poor memory. Wow, 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 John. Uh, basically saying no jury would convict him because he couldn't even remember when he started and ended his term as vice president, John. That is damning. And it's also wrong. It's wrong. Judge Weinberg? It's absolutely wrong because the question is, when he did the alleged bad acts, <laughs> what was his mental condition then? Not now. Well, he then. was vice president. How many years ago was that? Twenty years ago? Yeah, and he was. Uh, and so he also, he retained then. documents when he was a senator. Okay, and by the way, it's not just they retained the documents, but that he disclosed the contents of documents as well. Yeah, and you guys, today what came out were the pictures. The pictures were damning. They showed these images, guys, of tattered boxes that were torn all over his garage in Wilmington, Delaware, at the Penn Biden Center. It wasn't like they were in a closet or anything. They were strewn, and that's exactly where Hunter Biden was and that Corvette. That is damning. And by, by the way, the vice president does not have any secret service around the house while a, a former vice president doesn't. Uh, and while a former president does, Trump did have Secret Service protecting the whole. And he had no right to hold on to them because he had no colorable claim under Presidential Records Act. Either as a senator or as a vice president, only the president of the United States can make that claim. You know what it says, you guys, and I am not an attorney. I've got some smart attorneys here with us, with John and I here in the studio. But what it says is that you can commit a crime and then you suddenly go 20 years later. Well, I can't recall what happened. And that's the excuse. That means anybody who commits a crime can go before a jury and say, boy, you know what? I just can't recall. I can't remember. And that exonerates them from even going before a jury. Ed Cox. By the way, as a senator taking rooms out taking confidential documents secret documents out of the room where they're supposed to stay that's a per se violation it's not even what he's thinking yeah, it's amazing. And you're telling me Hunter Biden is a safe spot? Hunter Biden was driving the Corvette. You see him driving around. You see the documents in the background. But this another, is unbelievable. But there's another interesting point that uh, Ed Cox has made, which is, remember, Hunter Biden is alleged to have given a report or an email about confidential information that tracks intelligence documents. So where do you get the information? He's not capable of writing it. Exactly. We oh, still don't know the answer to that. you see that document? No, he didn't write it. It was It's an NSC document. It is a secret classified document, and there's no doubt that he took it right out of his father's By cash. the way, uh, Judge Weinberg said we should do the Claudine Gay analysis. That was the president of Harvard. Remember, put that next to what's in that and say, wait a minute, how did he get That's this right. information? The NSC versus the Hunter 
and you'll find that I, he did nothing but plagiarize it. And besides, what he, the special counsel is doing here sounds just like Comey did with Mrs. Clinton. That's a great analogy. Building it, it all up and then saying, but we can't, a jury would never convict her. Yeah, that's, that's not, an exact, that's not, a great analogy. Which is not Comey's job, and it's not the sky's job. Let's get in Governor Patterson. Uh, your thoughts, I mean, this is really incredible, just to hear the, the language, Governor Patterson. Well, there's a process, apparently, that they could go through to get the documents uh, that where they had to go to some other agencies. I don't remember them at the time. I don't understand why it's so hard, but why people think that they should just take things because they can. Yeah, that's a good. Well, and, and that kind of goes for everybody. Well, but, and yeah, but it goes for everybody. But that's the issue. It's not going for everybody. Look at the way they are treating President Trump. They go in with guns blazing in the middle of the morning to Mar-a-Lago, and this guy gets the uh, he's too elderly defense. And by, give me a break. By the way, that was at the request of the archives, which was approved by Biden, the President of the United States, and his staff. Yeah, exactly. So you're right. President Biden had to sign off. In other words, for that investigation that FBI, to continue and that FBI against raid. Trump. Exactly. Against Trump. Great points. Well, you guys, let's bring in Greg Jarrett. Of course, you know him as the Fox News legal analyst. Definitely one of the best ones out there. He has a new book out. It is called The Constitution of the United States and Other Patriotic Documents. Greg Jarrett, your reaction to he's an elderly man with a poor memory, so give him a break excuse. Yeah, I mean, this is a scary report, and every American should be alarmed, and they should read it. Uh, and it should be the death knell to Biden's reelection. I mean, it basically says... We can't prosecute him because he's a doddering old fool incapable of remembering much of anything. And therefore, we can't possibly prove his willfulness or intent, which are necessary elements of the crime. So the report calls him. This is really stunning. And I'm quoting here a sympathetic, well-meaning elderly man with a poor memory. End of quote. Then they go on to recite how Biden struggled to read his own notebook entries and, quote, did not remember when he was vice president. He actually had to ask the interviewers, when was I vice president? And, you know, look, some of the classified material involves Afghanistan, but Biden could not recall the vigorous debate over Afghanistan. It was a total blank. His his brain seems vacuous of events, times and places And the report says it only grew worse over time. So, you know, this is the guy who wants to run for another four years. I mean, I think this report is compelling evidence that the 25th Amendment needs to be invoked, that Biden's mental infirmities are now so severe that he is functionally incapacitated under the meaning of that amendment. Wow. So explain the 25th Amendment. We know what it is, but that is saying that he just can no longer fulfill his duties. You feel it's that strong? Oh, I absolutely do. And members of the cabinet, I think, are duty bound uh, because they surely recognize this to bring about the process uh, whereby, you know, he can essentially be voted out of office. But then, of course, you, you are left with uh, Kamala Harris. Be careful what you wish for. Yeah, I mean, which is even worse. So, you know, the, the America is in a bad place right now. Yeah, it sure is. Uh, Governor David Patterson has a question for you, Greg Jarrett. I, I had thought about that, Greg, that 
two thirds of the cabinet can invoke the 25th Amendment and then the president would just be either temporarily or permanently removed based on what the what the diagnosis of the condition was. Right. And um, and they they won't do it. But I'll bet that, um, let's say, if this was anybody else, that, that people would think that because it's a little discouraging when someone doesn't remember that much. Yeah, and, and, and also, by the way, Greg, I want to highlight another thing uh, that both of you guys are talking about. Not only did he not remember, according to Robert Hur in the interview with the special counsel, which is a, an important moment, he didn't remember he, the years he started the vice presidency, the years he ended. He didn't remember the year his son that he always talks about, uh, Bo, that his son died. Uh, yeah. I mean, that, there are some very stunning details of what he claims he did not remember. Yeah, and, you know, he keeps saying over and over that Bo died in Iraq, which, of course, did not happen. Uh, you know, he can't remember the French president currently, but only dead past presidents, uh, including uh, Helmut Kohl, who died years ago. I mean, he's talking to dead people, and he's repeating these stories. And, you know, as I say, this is alarming. Uh, let me say one other thing. You know, uh, the report suggests Biden shouldn't be prosecuted because he cooperated and consented uh, to the searches. That is not a defense under the law. I'll give you an example. If cops knock on a bank robber's door and he, he foolishly allows them inside where they see stolen cash, that doesn't erase the robber's crimes. The defense can't argue gee, my client must be innocent because a guilty person would never agree to a search. You'd be laughed out of court. But, but yeah, right. and, and also, by the way, to this point, he also there were multiple searches of the location. So suddenly he said, oh, I handed everything over. I'm actually going to even dispute what Robert Hur was saying, because remember, the record was, Greg, they first searched some of his locations. Surprise, surprise, they found documents. Then they went back again. How does that sound like they kept finding it over multiple times? That yeah. doesn't sound like someone who was willfully cooperating. Uh, Governor if, Patterson? If, if this were a criminal case and someone is accused of committing a crime and and before you can try them, they don't seem to have the capacity to represent themselves. Um, that's called fitness to proceed. So they're found unfit to proceed. Then the process goes on without them. But I, I just don't understand how they could assert that a jury we think will make him not guilty. So that's why uh, we're not going to try. But uh, I'm having trouble with this, Greg. Can, what year did I start out as governor? <laughs> <laughs> Well, well, David, we'll look it up for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's the date today? What's the date today? Judge Weinberg. Greg, what also troubles me is what you were alluding to, the double standard here. The whole reason that, according to Jack Smith, is that they're going after Trump on the document retention is he didn't cooperate sufficient to his point of view. As right. a, And that's, as you point out, it's not a defense. And, no. and Trump had an, argu an argument there, the Presidential Records Act. Yeah, exactly. I, I was talking about this with Sean Hannity last night on his program. The, the Federal uh, Records Act allows custody and control of a former president over classified documents. Um, you know, they, Jack Smith has ignored that, and he's also charged Trump with obstruction because he didn't cooperate. He didn't have to. The Department of Justice policy for the last two decades has been that a former president can keep whatever he wants. And it's the Clintons 
standard. Uh, and, you know, Bill Clinton also resisted. And, and yet the Department of Justice actually defended him in court and a federal judge agreed he could resist. Fast forward Donald Trump, they charge him with obstruction for doing exactly what Bill Clinton did. This is yet another example of the two-tiered system of justice that's dependent on party affiliation. Yeah, absolutely. Before we let you go, Greg, of course, a uh, really quick 14th Amendment case. This was whether Trump can be on the ballot or not at the Supreme Court. Uh, let us know uh, real quick your thoughts and how you think that went. Well, this is probably the easiest case Supreme Court has ever faced. It's a no-brainer. It should be unanimous. I said so last night. And the questions posed by the liberal justices who seem to be defending Donald Trump uh, suggests that this is is going to be a very quick and easy decision. Yeah, I thought so, too. Elena Kagan, I thought, was really great. She was, like, really yeah, well, tough. Well, they're probably <laughs> paving the way to be tough on Trump in later cases. Yeah, that, oh, yeah. yeah you're right. You're right. Um, Greg Jarrett, thank you very much. We always love having you here, especially on such a big breaking news day. Thank you, Greg Jarrett. My pleasure. Thank you so much. And now we are joined by Congressman Daryl Issa of California, Republican. Congressman, um, we want to talk with you about UNRWA, which is the United Nations Relief Agency, which gives the funding for Palestine. But before we get into that, okay, I want to ask you your thoughts first off about this Robert Herr uh, report that just came out. Well, uh, first of all, I think it's sad for the president's family and it's uh it's sad for America at the same time. Uh, we've had three years of a president so diminished that not only does he not know about his crimes, um, but he doesn't, as was stated, he doesn't know about his son and other leaders. And he's been going around the world meeting with global leaders who all see that. Uh, even uh, our former speaker, Kevin McCarthy, had said early on that, uh, you know, he was he had good days and bad days. And he said his good days aren't good. Uh, and he was one of the few that got to meet with the president at all. He's been isolated. So, you know, I heard the discussion about the 25th Amendment. Uh, it's really too late for that. The damage has been done. We're in global wars uh, that were the result of a lap- lack of leadership. Uh, you know, we have one after another policies that are, uh, I hope, to be reversed. But they're not going to be reversed by this administration. It's certainly not by the vice president if she's elevated. So we are in a a, a tenuous situation in which the whole world now officially knows uh, the dementia of the president uh, at a time when they were counting on America to uh, uh, to lead us out of these problems. And, of course, they were also counting on, uh, you know, Secretary uh, of Defense, who, you know, Austin, who uh, lied to us and deceived us and put us in peril. So all of these things are kind of coming together at a time when we need uh, Reagan-type leadership and transparency, and we just don't have it. You know, um, Congressman, you think about leadership, you talk about all the wars and hotspots. Uh, your big issue, I know, and, and we say bravo to this, that you are looking to uh, defund, uh, to pull the funding for the United Nations Relief and Works Agency for the Palestinian refugees. It's known as UNRWA. Uh, some of the reports that came out about their involvement, some that they were actually part of like the hostage taking, holding some of the hostages there that were taken from Israel on October 7th. 
and the stunning breadth of how many within the agency, the fact that this administration is not automatically saying, forget it, we're not going to fund them anymore. They shouldn't have even started the funding because Trump Trump stopped it because of some of the educational stuff that was happening with this agency. But for them to play a role in the hostage taking, talk about what you're doing with that and where you think that's going to go. Well, the reason I've called for permanent defunding of UNRWA is that for decades, uh, in plain sight, they've taught hate to generations of Palestinians. And we saw this manifest itself on October 7th. Uh, we've got to change the education system. We've got to change the support system. And quite frankly, since we, we have been historically one of the major funders, we also have to have it be uh, teaching uh, you know, the positive things that could be taught to people if they're ever going to have a two-state solution. So, uh, you know, it, it does, uh, look, I'm not somebody who says cut off the money and, and just save the money. I think we have to reverse the teaching and we're not going to do it with a UN organization. And I repeat, we're not going to do it with a UN organization. It's going to have to be uh, an organization, if there's going to be one, that's built from the ground up to be supportive of real democracy, real human rights, and a recognition uh, that the people living on the other side of the border are people, not an enemy, not some sort of a demon to be eradicated. That didn't happen uh, for the entire 20 plus years that I've served in Congress. I've been upset about it and calling for it. The Israelis have been giving us examples of the hate that they have been taught. So yes, on October 7th, sort of their 9-11, we saw the U.N. storing weapons, participating in the actual attack and helping cover it up. That seems outrageously simple to say it's a bad act, but their defense is, well, you know, that's just a few bad players. No, the organization, and we have plenty of proof of it, has been systematically to thousands of teachers putting in the book hate, teaching hate, and causing hate. So and, and we're funding we them. And we're funding them. I mean, that's what's important. Oh. A lot of the money is coming from us. Oh, so much so that not only did they go back on pay, but this president, this president who is uh, now we know uh, in dementia, in fact, gave him $100 million, sort of like a one-time bonus to make up for the time that Trump wasn't funding. That is what we're, we're, we're dealing with. And it's the reason that the, the money's on a pause. We need to make sure that pause is forever. Uh, and if we're going to help teach uh, the 2.2 million people in Gaza and the others in the West Bank to be uh, independent, we're going to have to start over and undo decades of hate, hate teaching. And we're not going to do it using the U.N. They've proven for decades that they're the wrong organization for it. They hire the wrong people and they allow the wrong things to happen. Yeah, we have definitely seen a pattern there, especially it's, it's I think the lid's been blown off of it after October 7th. Uh, Congressman Darrell Issa, so great to have you here on Cats and Cosby. We really appreciate it. And you keep us posted. We'd love to have you back on again soon. We, we sure will. And we'll be looking for that 25th Amendment discussion. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you. Th- thank you, Congressman. And everybody, uh, when we come back here on Cats and Cosby, we're going to be talking to the Chief of Parole, uh, Patrol, John Shell of the NYPD. Some new Folks were charged today. Some new migrants were charged today, John, in the beatdown of the NYPD officers. Uh, let me tell you something. And uh, what happened last night in the Upper East Side with that 91-year-old Jewish gentleman? Oh, that was horrible. And that's only five city blocks. When, uh, I mean, how close is it to you, Governor? 
about five blocks. Wow. Yeah. Wow. It's horrible. Absolutely horrible. And let's see what uh, Chief Shell wants to do a good job, and he's working hard to do a job. Let's take that break, and we'll be right back. A common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katz and and Rita Cosby. Katz and Cosby on 77 WABC. And we are back here on Katz and Cosby. Well, just a little bit ago, uh, D.A. Bragg and Mayor Eric Adams announced that seven people have now been indicted on that horrible beatdown of the NYPD officers in Times Square. Joining us to talk about that and just... What's been happening with all the crime in New York is the chief of patrol at the NYPD, John Shell. Chief Shell, we love having you here. Thank you for joining us. How are you? Good evening. Great to be on. What's your reaction to now? It says seven of them have been indicted. They came out today a little bit ago. Do, how many of those guys are behind bars or, or even that we know who they are? Because they also confirmed that the guys that were on the bus to California, and it got stopped in Arizona, It's they're not connected. So do we know how many are actually behind bars or that we know of tied to that horrible beatdown of your great men and women there? Well, one one has been indicted from last week, and he still is on Rikers Island, uh, cannot make bail, so that's one. And the other indictments, we're still looking for a few more, our detective bureau and our warrant squad, so we'll find them. Yeah, how tough is it um, locating them? Because they are migrants, uh, most of them, obviously, and they said that all of them essentially today. How tough is it? You know, you don't know the address. You don't know the this. And uh, your officers deserve justice. The public is so furious. I'm so glad uh, to see everybody out there saying, you know, we got to protect our men and women. You know, I was talking about the event and how how do we change a bad event and make it into a good a good event in terms of walking that conversation that needs to be had by practical people with practical solutions. So I'm glad the conversation hap- is happening at the city level and at the national level to, to fix some of this mess that we are in. In, in terms of our uh, warrant squad, uh, they are very good with our federal partners. They work with our federal partners to apprehend people. And it is difficult when you don't and relatives to look for, but they are very good at what they do and are very confident in time. We'll have everybody rounded up. Uh, Chief, um, last night, (laughs) uh, a Jewish gentleman on 86th Street and 2nd Avenue uh, was uh, jumped and beat up. Uh, Any uh, update on that? So it's funny you go backside. I just left the hospital. I just met with him. You want to talk about a remarkable man? Was definitely not a victim. Tough as nails. Grew up in Coney Island. Loves Nathan's. What a conversation I had with him. A truly inspiring, to say the least. I just left minutes ago. And he's is he, he going to be okay? He he is fine. He's probably stronger than you and I. I I, I couldn't believe it. Uh, in terms of what happened to him, we have some good leads. We have some good pictures of what we're looking for, and I'm quite confident that case will come to a close rather quickly you know chief, i look forward yeah thank goodness by the way thank goodness 91 and and what happened chief shell also what about all these like the roaming gangs that we've seen with these jewelry where they've been robbing people of jewelry also the purses that horrible image of the woman who was dragged on the sidewalk in brooklyn have we gotten any of those guys those thugs that did this unbelievable we got seven of them 
this was a crime spree that involved uh, Venezuelan migrant crews that was being orchestrated from one person or another migrant in the Bronx. And he would call out to all these crews, if you will, to go out and rob people of their phones. Uh, we, we got we got a break this weekend where our patrolians grabbed a few of them when they did it. That led to uh, an investigation, which we already kind of knew about. It led us to the stash house. Uh, we went through that door Monday morning, and we got what we were looking for. We have a few arrests. And no surprise, since we made these arrests and we did that search for on Monday, we haven't taken one robbery of that nature on a moped since. So that's the method to the madness. Great work by our cops. Great work by our detectives. And this is why we are just a we are, we're just a fabulous agency. Governor Chief, I saw the uh, press conference today, and they said a few times that they only were releasing the names of five of the seven individuals who they've indicted. And I was just wondering, can you speculate why they would withhold the other two names? Like, I'm not really talking about this case. But are you familiar with that that happens from time to time? Not particularly, no. Usually when they unseal the indictment, we, we, we release the name. So I can't speak to why they hold back, too. I'm sure there's a reason for it. Um, and not normally something I would say. You, you unseal that indictment, you name the names. Yeah, that surprised me. Right. But listen, at least we get, look, better late than never. We're getting it done. And we, and we have to work together. We have, we have to fix this. So, our law enforcement team, all of us here, we got to fix this. We got to get it better, and we got to move the city forward. We cannot continue to con- to conduct business the way we conduct it. Uh, Chief, is there any progress with the DA Bragg uh, on on putting some of these people away? Yeah, there's been progress. We're working with him. We will get it done. And again, we're we're, we're partners. None of us are perfect here, but we're going to get this done. And we'll do it well. Yeah, well, we uh, we love you guys. We appreciate so much what the great work of the NYPD does every single day. And uh, there needs to be justice for anybody who touches any citizen, let alone a law enforcement officer. Uh, Chief Shell, thank you. It's always so great to yeah. have you here on the show. Thank you so yes, much. And Chief. The most Im- yes, and the most important thing tomorrow is I have to get those Nathan's French fries up to the house at 12 o'clock. That's the priority for tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Bravo. I love Bravo. those Nathan's Franks. <laughs> I don't blame you. I don't blame you. <laughs> I love those Nathan's Franks, and I love those Goya beans. Give me the hot news, everybody. It's the top news of the day, sponsored by Goya. Here's Rita Cosby. Well, as you just heard at the top here on Katz and Cosby, President Biden will not face criminal charges related to documents found at his home. The special counsel investigating President Biden has concluded that Biden willfully retained and disclosed classified military and national security documents, but will not face charges. The special counsel did, however, say that Biden, quote, would likely present himself to a jury, as he did during our interview with him, as sympathetic, well-meaning, elderly man with a poor memory. Wow, wow, wow. 
The U.S. Supreme Court heard arguments today concerning whether or not former President Trump can be removed from states' ballots. This stems from the Colorado State Supreme Court's decision to remove Trump from that state's ballot. A decision is expected sometime before Super Tuesday's primaries. Of course, Colorado a part of that. That is in early March. And a ruling in favor of Trump would likely stop other states that are attempting to do the same. And as you just heard here from Chief Shell of the NYPD, it turns out that the four men taken into custody by the ICE agents were not involved in last month's Times Square attack on our two great NYPD officers. Prosecutors are now looking for several additional suspects in connection to that. And we learned seven defendants have been indicted in that attack, but many of their whereabouts unknown. And, John, those are your hot, 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 hot Goya top stories of the day, John. Well, thank you, Rita. And uh, I love those beans. And uh, As much as you love the Nathan hot dogs? Oh, or I tell you, I love them both. Really good. Yeah, you can't go wrong with either. <laughs> I mean, how can you go to a ball game without having Nathan's Franks? How can you go to Coney Island without having Nathan's Franks? And how That's can you have sure. a good bowl of soup without the without Goya the, beans? Without those Goya beans. We got it all, you guys. We yep. got it all. And by the way, speaking of all, after the break, John, on Cats and Cosby, we have Alan Dershowitz to talk about the stunning decision by the special counsel calling Biden elderly, too elderly, uh, to essentially go before a jury. Let's take that break. You're commuting home with Katz and Cosby. Now, here's John Katz and Rita Cosby on 77 WABC. And we are back here on Katz and Cosby. And joining us is the great emeritus law professor from Harvard, Alan Dershowitz. His new book is War Against the Jews. And Professor Dershowitz, this is stunning. This is the report I want to get to first, of course, the big news that just broke a little bit ago with Robert Hurd, who is the special counsel for President Biden, investigating Biden. And he determined that he willfully kept documents but that he would be too elderly, essentially, before a jury, that he couldn't even remember when, you know, he was vice president. Your thoughts on just this report and what it means? Well, I think the question is the same question was raised when James Comey released a report on Hillary Clinton that may conceivably have cost her the election. There are other things that cost her the election, too. But those of us who are purists say that, You know, when a prosecutor decides not to prosecute, that generally should be the end. It should be a one-paragraph statement saying there was insufficient evidence so the jury wouldn't prosecute. But then he wrote a book. And then uh, the the editor of the book, uh, Garland, the attorney general, decided to publish it. Remember, he could have have declined to publish it. Um, He had that right. But obviously, politically, that would have been hard to do. So he's produced this. And this will have a devastating effect, I think, on the electoral chances of, of Joe Biden. I mean, I just can imagine the campaign slogan. Do you want an elderly man with a faulty memory to be confronting Putin and, 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 and you know, other enemies of America? Uh, this was a gift handed by her to um, a political gift handed to Donald Trump. Go, go yeah, ahead, yeah, Ed. Uh, Ed Cox here, uh, Professor. From uh, the uh, the Trump indictments, what impact does the Her report have on the Trump indictments? Well, I think there's a substantial chance that the prosecutor may decide to drop the uh, Florida case 
um, involving documents. Now, he, he goes through page after page of distinguishing the two cases, but he doesn't do a particularly good job of it because uh, what he says is, well, Trump didn't cooperate. Well, there's no obligation to cooperate. When my clients are being prosecuted by the government, the last thing I do is cooperate. I mean, I cooperate if you give me something for it, if you reduce the sentence or you drop the charges. But um, you're not patriotic when you're under indictment. And so there's no obligation to be cooperative. And that shouldn't be the criteria. But whether somebody's prosecuted or not, whether they're cooperative, more likely is the fact that uh, that Biden actually gave some of these, apparently gave or told uh, some of these things to his ghostwriter who had no authority to have access to them. That's much worse than having waved, as Donald Trump did, waved a paper in front of some reporter just to show off and say, look, I could have declassified this, but I didn't. So I think it's going to have an impact. The question is, if they don't drop the prosecution, will the jury be able to know that uh, in a comparable case involving the man who's running against Trump, they didn't prosecute and they're prosecuting Mm -hmm. him? So it's going to be it's 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 difficult to see whether it'll have legal implications, but it certainly has political implications. Even if Trump loses, he's not going to lose much politically when Biden was not prosecuted for a similar crime. Yeah, it is stunning. Uh, Judge Weinberg. Welcome back, Professor. What I want to ask you is this. Have you heard that Jack Smith, the special counsel, has been making noise and out there about Judge Cannon, the Florida U.S. District Court judge, because she's been uh, giving continuances with respect to the, the trial dates and also released certain documents as part of discovery to defense counsel. And he says that he's considering moving to have her replaced as a trial judge. What's your thoughts on that? Well, he wants to have uh, a judge and a jury and a jurisdiction that's favorable to him. He has that in the District of Columbia. Uh, he has a judge who is virally, clearly very favorable to him there and, and a jury pool. And now he doesn't want to have a judge that he thinks is unfavorable to him. I don't think that's going to get him anywhere. Um, uh, but, you know, that the, the, the jury pool in, in Florida, in that county, uh, is a much fairer one than jury pools in the District of Columbia. That's so why he went after him in the District yeah. of Columbia. He didn't of like course, what he got in Florida. So that's why he picked yeah. D.C. Yeah, no doubt. No yeah. doubt. Um, Governor and, Patterson. You know, he, you also have a question for uh, Professor Dershowitz. Alan, there's a lot of discussion these days about does the president have more rights than the individual citizen? If this were an individual citizen and this is a criminal charge and the prosecutor doesn't want to go forward because of uh, the person's poor memory or some other mental condition, what they would do is bring in a psychiatrist to examine the person. Then they would examine whether or not they could go forward and in a regular case, if this you know just happened here in Manhattan, if the yeah. person was not fit to go to trial, they would give them an order of retention and put them in a psychiatric institution. That's what would yeah, actually I, happen. What what the special prosecutor isn't he isn't going that far. He's not saying he's incompetent to stand trial. He's saying that a jury will be sympathetic to uh, a well-meaning old man, an elderly man, who has difficulty remembering. He's not saying he's incompetent. He's not saying there's a technical, legal incapacity to stand trial. He's just saying this went into his evaluation as to how the jury would decide the case. But that's not the that's not his role of, uh, of him to yeah, do. I mean, exactly. he knows how a jury will decide. Juries can be sympathetic or unsympathetic. Just because a person is 
good looking, for example, that should never be a criteria for not prosecuting them. We know that good looking people have a better chance in front of the jury. Professor Dershowitz, leave us, leave us out of that. Leave us out of that. All right. (laughs) I know you're talking about all of us in the studio. Okay. (laughs) I can imagine making the following argument to a judge. Look, it's my client. I'm a really good lawyer. So you're never going to get a conviction here because I'm a good lawyer. And that's why you shouldn't prosecute him. Nobody would listen to that. Of course not. And they shouldn't. Yeah, you, you know, it's interesting, uh, Professor Dershowitz, you talked about sort of the, the point that uh, Governor Patterson was talking about, the incompetency versus poor memory. The memory was really poor. I mean, you you probably read on one of the pages, it was stunning to me because they are saying, Robert Hurst said, when Biden was in the interview process with them, he could not remember the year he started the vice presidency, the year he left it. He couldn't remember the year his son died. These were like, mm-hmm. you know, major facts. I mean, yeah, this no, is I damning to him personally. Damning. I agree with you. I agree with you. And, you know, the question is, should it have been revealed? From a point of view of the democratic process, we should know all we can about any presidential candidate. But this is going to change minds. Uh, remember, this is not an election about who is the best person for president. This is an election about who's the worst person for president. Both candidates have so many negatives that a lot of people will be casting their vote not for a candidate, but against the candidate. And this will lead to a lot of people saying, gee, you know, we like we like Biden. He's a nice guy. We'd like to have a, a drink with him. But, gee, should he be the one negotiating with Putin? Don't think so. So I think this what really a Chinese. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or the Chinese. Right. I mean, they're trying to sell him like he's out there, like he's a spring chicken and diffusing yeah. all this. And this I, I want to ask you also, Professor Dershowitz, what if you were Trump? Uh, what would you do with this information, what, with this damning report? How do you think it helps him? I mean, what would you go out there and say, and what should his attorneys say? Well, I, I think I would say two things. Number one, it shows a two-tiered system of justice. You can't have two presidential candidates running against each other, both of whom have intentionally uh, maintained classified information and prosecuting one, not prosecuting the other. That's a very strong argument. A lot of people will resonate with that. And then second, just quote, let it speak for itself. The statements that he makes, that Heard makes about his memory and about his capacity and about his ability, that will, both of those will have a big impact. Look, this was a great day for Donald Trump. He's going to win 9 nothing probably in the Supreme Court, despite the fact that his lawyer made one of the dumbest arguments I have ever heard. I've never heard a more tone-deaf tone deaf argument than the argument made by Trump's lawyers. Now, Trump's lawyer is going to be very, he's going to be a hero because he's going to win the case 9-0. But it was a terrible argument. What he did is he focused on the part of the Constitution, the 14th Amendment, that says even if a person is disqualified because he's an insurrectionist, Congress, by a two-thirds vote of both houses, can remove that disability. That was his argument. Not a single justice looked and accepted that argument. So then they have an hour of argument, and then they give him time for rebuttal. He goes back to that argument. He was so tone deaf. My God. Wow. And, 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 and it was a horrible argument. And the, the, the stars of the show were the justices. They made the arguments. Yeah, they even Elena Kagan. Yeah. For, yeah. All of them. They made much better arguments for Trump than his lawyer did. And he didn't even have to pay uh, the, the justices. They were much better lawyers for him than was his own lawyer. But, you know, I think many members of the public 
can't judge how bad a lawyer is. He's handsome and he was well-spoken and he was polite, but he did a terrible, terrible job in terms of trying to influence these justices. He didn't have any influence or impact on the judge's decision. Uh, Ed Cox, a final comment. I agree with that completely. I think it goes for some of his lawyers here in New York who have just blown the arguments, particularly, particularly in the defamation case. Well, but he's going to win the case. It could be nine nothing. It could be eight to one. But I think he'll win. Yeah, it's I do. It's always too. great to be on with you guys. We love Thank having you. you on, Professor Dershowitz. <laughs> you. And again, uh, your great book, "The War Against the Jews." Thank you very much. Have a great evening. Thank you. Thank you so much. And uh, after the break, everybody, uh, John, we have Ambassador John Bolton is coming up to talk about Israel and the latest. Uh, the State Department reviewing options for a Palestinian state. What does Israel think about that? And what does John Bolton think about that after the break? It's a common sense recap of the big stories. It's Cats and Cosby on 77 WABC. And we are back here on Cats and Cosby. And joining us now is former U.N. Ambassador John Bolton, uh, also the author of The Room Where It Happened, a White House memoir in paperback. Um, Ambassador Bolton. First off, uh, I know this isn't your bailiwick, but but I got to get your reaction because everybody's talking about President Biden and his misspeaking about world leaders left and right. There was just another one last night where he confused Helmut Kohl and said he had a conversation with him, uh, you know, about January 6th. He wasn't even alive during January 6th. And then, of course, the Mitterrand Macron stuff. Uh, what is the world thinking? Well, I think uh, they they see the same thing on their television screens as Americans do uh, on our screens. And and I think they're very worried. It's, uh, you know, they they expect leadership from the United States and they expect uh, maybe unfair, but they expect a president who's on duty 24 seven. And uh, that's that's not what we have now. And I must say this report by the special counsel on investigating the classified documents issue with Biden. I, I think that report and what what it says about uh, the president's memory could be enough to drive him out of this election. I mean, I, I think uh, every, everybody in Washington talks about this. They, they don't talk about it in public, especially Democrat members of Congress. But but this this just summarizes the fears a lot of Democrats have that that uh, Biden is simply too vulnerable on this issue to be able to win. And, and this just makes it even worse, it, it fits into Trump's argument that about a double standard on treatment of documents, although Biden cooperated with his special counsel and Trump didn't. But it also uh, uh, fits right in on the question of, of Biden's competence. I, I don't I don't see realistically how Democrats can just sit back now and not get a committee together to go in and see the president and say, Mr. President, you should exit now while you can with your head held high and uh, don't embarrass yourself. Yeah, and I'm thinking also, Ambassador Bolton, what the world is thinking, these world leaders listening, when you see the the quote from special counsel Robert Hur, who is investigating Biden, he says, you know, he was a elderly man with a poor memory when they were speaking with him, and, and a jury would visibly see that. I mean, boy, if you're a world leader right now, and you think of all the complexities, which you understand all too well, with Iran and everything that's happening with Russia – they're going, uh, this guy's a pushover. Even in this jury, he couldn't remember in this discussion with Robert Hur, he couldn't remember the year he was vice president, the year he left, the year his son died. I mean, it, it was it was really stunning. And, and this this is now in black and white 
by, by somebody who was appointed by the attorney general of the United States, who obviously was appointed by Joe Biden. So uh, I, I just think that the that uh, th- this may bring to a head what everybody has been talking about privately and behind closed doors. I, I don't see how you can avoid this anymore. Um, well, I also want to ask you about the latest with Israel, too, uh, Ambassador John Bolton, because they are now pushing the State Department. There's all these reports that the Biden State Department is pushing for recognition of a Palestinian state and giving it uh, before Israel finishes its job eradicating Hamas. Your thoughts about what's going on behind the scenes? Well, I think the Biden administration and the the foreign secretary of Great Britain said essentially the same thing a few days ago is putting a knife in Israel's back at a time, as you say, exactly. They're they're in a in a mortal struggle with Hamas and they're still increasingly threatened by Iran's quest for nuclear weapons. This is not the time to to unilaterally concede what what could well be the central point of, of any negotiations. And I just think it's. Uh, reflective of the administration's inability to get its act together uh, on the Middle East more broadly. The, the threat here is Iran. The threat to peace in the Middle East is not Israel. And 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 saying you're going to recognize a Palestinian state when one doesn't exist uh, doesn't add, add the stability. You know, your foreign policy has to be based on reality, and there is no Palestinian state, period. Mr. Ambassador, it's, uh, it's Judge Richard Weinberg. Good to talk to you again. Let me ask you this question. So they announced that there's going to be a Palestinian state. They push it through the United Nations, which you know well is uh, is governed by forces hostile to Israel and to America. What happens then? Who's going to govern this uh, this entity? Well, they, you know, they can try it. I, I go back to 1989 in the George H.W. Bush administration when the Palestine Liberation Organization was trying to become a member of the U.N. system, joining the World Health Organization, because uh, U.N. charters require membership only for states. So the PLO thought, well, if we can get admitted to the World Health Organization, it'll be the world declaring us a state. And that that was that was putting facts on the ground in the halls of the United Nations, not not in uh, uh, in the region. It was a fantasy then and it's a fantasy now. And I don't think Israel should uh, should be hesitant to, to say how unacceptable this is. I mean, I think Netanyahu uh, has said uh, reaffirmed that Israel wants total victory against Hamas. I would not back away from that. And I would say in private to the U.S. and the U.K., uh, you know, you're barking up the wrong tree here. This isn't going anywhere and it's not making life any easier for us out here or for you. John, your thoughts about this, too, because this is stunning. I mean, it, it's clearly that they are taking, uh, you know, the Palestinian side. And in fact, the other day when they talked about funds, there was very little reference to Israel. Remember on the bill that just came out the other day? I was really shocked. Here's the President Biden. He went on and on about Ukraine. And then he said about five seconds on Israel, spent all this time about funds for the Palestinians. I mean, he's sending such uh, such a divisive message, and, and a weak very message. Limited, very limited allocation for Israel yes. in the bill itself. It is. It was shocking. Well, we got a mess in our hands, and uh, we just have to take it one day at a time. This, uh, I don't think uh, President Biden is supporting Israel. Your thoughts, well, Ambassador? He's not. No, he's not. I mean, it's, it's it was one thing to go there a couple of days after the uh, Hamas's barbaric attack and put his arms around Bibi. That's great. That was the right thing to do. But they've been backing away from it ever since. And, and the whole region can see that this idea that somehow in the Gulf Arab states, key, key friends of ours, producers of oil that 
the world's economy runs on, that, that they wake up every morning and say, what are we going to do about the Palestinians, is a world that doesn't exist. I, I don't think it existed 50 years ago, but I guarantee it doesn't exist now. Uh, and yet we're caught in this time machine that, uh, that, that really plays right into Iran's overall plans. And, uh, you know, this is, this is not just a question of a threat to Israel. What the Houthis are doing, closing the Red Sea to commercial traffic, is a threat to us in Europe, too. The, obviously, the attacks of the militias in Iraq and Syria have killed Americans, and they're doing it at Iran's behest. And, John, Ed Cox here, uh, Iran is on the verge of having a nuclear weapon. Netanyahu said he will take that out. How does all this impact his ability to do that? Well, I think they're trying to put pressure on Israel to cave in, to agree to a ceasefire and a hostage exchange. Hamas has just one or two conditions they want. They want the complete end of the war. They want all the prisoners Israel holds for acts of terrorism. They want all of them released. This is Iran's strategy here, this ring of fire strategy, as Iran itself calls it, is to weaken Israel and and by the Biden administration putting all this pressure on Israel to make these concessions, they're doing Iran's work for them. Yeah, they are. And uh, boy, if I'm Israel, you heard Netanyahu in the last 24 hours said, we are going for absolute and victory. The one no thing deal. that has to be taken care of, they got to get rid of all those uh, uh, hoodies that are, that are interrupting commerce. It's unacceptable to have commerce interrupted the way it is, and that's the causing the price of oil to go up, and it's it's causing uh, uh, you know our supply chain economics to, to to have a problem. Yeah, and Iran's emboldened through all of this, John, too, which is really scary. Ambassador Bolton, thank you for joining us. Glad to be with thank you. you, And everybody, what do we all stand for? Truth, justice, and the American way. God save the king. <laughs>